Good morning, everybody. I greet you in the name of Jesus today. Amen. That's a good way to greet people. And um, I'm so excited to share a word with you today um, because we're going through Advent. Last week, we celebrated hope with a Christmas concert. Thank you so much for attending. I hope it was a blessing. So uh, it was really fun for us to prepare. Thank you. Thanks to those of you who, uh, who invited people, who shared it on Facebook. Even after we took it down, we said we're going to take it down uh, because we don't want any copyright strikes. <laughs> but then you protested and we put it on nonetheless uh, because of your request. Thank you. So last week you celebrated hope. This week we're celebrating peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Next week will be love, peace and love. Who's the guy who said that? Ringo. And... <laughs> John Lennon might appear in my, in my sermon today, but then the last Sunday will be rejoice. So the 24th and the 25th, uh, Michael and I have got something special prepared with the worship team uh, that it's really, we're trying to do something amazing and beautiful. So please come 24th and the 25th to our Christmas services. Um, okay, so my name is Vince. I've been here a while. I've been here uh, since this suit has turned a decade old. Uh, um, <clears throat> now, I was sharing with a family earlier, the last, one of the last times I wore this suit, I had a rather embarrassing moment in it. I've only had two embarrassing moments at weddings. The first one, uh, the, the people whose wedding this uh, was the family, you're here. Um, I accidentally, while going to the front, passing... You know, usually at a wedding, they're like the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. But the front was quite narrow. And next to the bridesmaids were like these beautiful tall glass frame candle holder things on the floor. And I had to get to the front to go do the wedding. But I was trapped back here because I don't want to be the pastor in all the photos standing there waiting for the couple to go down. So then I, I sort of tried to triple past these things. And as I went over the last little thing, it went and went out on the floor, and then the candles upside down, burning the place down. That was the one. The other one was the other day in the suit. I, I, I was leaving a wedding. The wedding party was like right here. Bye, everyone, I said. And then I was going from like an indoorish concrete floor to like a lower down outdoorish wooden platform walkway with railings. And, and I I sort of thought, it's raining, so it's dry inside, wet outside, and it was a bit lower down, and as I was like, bye everyone, and I jumped from the one to the other one, from firm to something else, and as I jumped, that did not happen, this happened, <laughs> and it's sort of one of these, quank, <laughs> you know what I mean, and, and it's just scrape marks all over, and they're like, are you okay? And I got up so quickly, I said, I'm fine, <laughs> and I just ran away. Oh, I was like, I'm just not looking back. So today, I wanted to talk about how uh, we often try to jump from one place to the other place in our lives and not have a firm footing of peace underneath us. Um, so I thought that was a funny story to make fun of myself, and I wanted to also just show you what I did yesterday. So what peace looks like for me. There's a photo of my family here somewhere. I was getting my hair done. My hair did for today. So um, I was in the salon for about an hour. Basically, all they do is they spray me completely wet with a spray bottle and then just end up putting things in my hair. My shoulders are wet. Everything is wet. So that's fun. Those are my kids, my wonderful wife here in front. Um, so 
That's what I did. That's what peace looks like for me. So today I'm going to show you how you can have true and lasting peace. Maybe for the young people here, we'll talk about peace that hits different. Okay? Only young people laughing. Okay. <laughs> you know, some people are ripped in body, but not in peace internally. Now, by all means, be ripped. Like me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've got a dad bod. Okay. Um, but we place, as believers, we place a higher value on our internal health than we do on our external health. It does not mean that we diminish the value of the external health. We are saying that who we are internally is more important than who we are externally. For from we are living life from the inside outward. We are not trying to address our outward life to get a better inward life. That'll never work. So we're going to look at that. So peace could be defined as the following. The restfulness or tranquility of good order. So the result of good order, one could say, is peace. And when the good order is disrupted, peace is disrupted. Uh, many theories about running. Uh, Sipo, I know that you're a runner now, that Marlon told me. You know, somebody told me once that a good way to breathe when you're running is like, in, two, three, four, five, out, two, three. Something like that. In on your left, then three out on your right. So I try, I, when I run down to the beach to swim or half walk, I think, I should try this. And then, you know, it says, in, one, two, three, four, five, out. Or I, oh, what did I just do? Did I skip? Out. But it's really, but eventually you get into a rhythm. And then I see people run while talking to people. And I go, how on earth can you do that? How fit are you? Even just saying hello to somebody the other was running past and hello. Where was I? <laughs> so it's just like some, this rhythm gets disrupted sometimes. So in Acts 27, we're not going to read this. There's this piece that becomes disrupted in Acts 27. Paul has jumped from one ship with his mates to a whole other ship, and they're going to sail. Uh, they're, they're looking to go to Italy and a few other places. But eventually Paul says, listen, it's looking bad out there. We should not go. And then the experts say, no, 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 we're going to go. We are very good at this, and we're going to go. Well, pretty soon there was an, a great storm, crazy storm for a few days. They didn't even see the sun. And eventually they had to throw everything overboard. They were holding the ship together with the ropes on the ship, just so that it stays, you know, they were throwing it around parts of the ship to sort of glue it all together, stay in one piece. And Paul just says, see, you did not listen. You did not listen. I warned you. Now you are shooketh. People aren't shook or shocked anymore. They're shooketh. Am I right? Is that, a, is that a thing? He says, now you are shooketh. You know, what, these ropes that we try and tie around our decisions sometimes, these man-made ideas, are futile. It's like trying to keep a house clean with a child in it. It's like, it's like trying to brush your teeth while eating an Oreo. It's like the same thing. These futile plans we make after we did not listen. After we refused God's wisdom, I'm going to show you that to follow God is easier than you thought. And to find the path of peace is much easier than you thought as well. So, but they did not listen, these people. Um, they did not listen. God warned you that the borrower is a slave to the lender, 
but you took dangerous debt anyway. Now, financial peace of mind is disrupted. Now, he told you as a father to cherish your spouse and your kids, but instead you cherished your career and nourished your hobbies. Now, family peace is disrupted. He cautioned you about the wrong crowd and about drunkenness and about staying late at work for many days, but you did not listen. Now, family peace and personal peace is disrupted. And now you're in a storm of your own making, trying to tie this thing together. And if this describes you, I know it's a very rough start. (laughs) I wanted you to receive the mercy of God for those things and God's rebuke at the same time. He corrects those whom he loves And he loves you. So stand corrected and receive mercy today. You see, we need internal peace to guide us. External peace will never, external peace will never lead to internal peace. A comfortable life, I just want a comfortable life, will never lead to peace. Where Sharice and I were watching Squid Game, not the rough one, the like, the one where they actually have real humans with real lives um, on, on Netflix. And the one guy, you know, they, have, they, got, they get to win or play for $4.56 million. That's like 100 million rand. And the one guy says, what would we do with the money? Ah, oh, he just wants to live a comfortable life. And the people around him to live a comfortable life. Have you found yourself ever saying that to yourself? I have, right? We say that. But I think that is like entry-level living. It's like, what do I need to pass Calculate my DP, calculate my... I need 56. <laughs> I'll get 56. That is like that level of living. No peace can come from that. Think of the guy who said, um, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. He prayed for peace, right, John Lennon? He had he, so much fame, so much riches, but a terribly tormented person inside. He did something nice. Let's try and pray for world peace, right? But could not even get to peace internally. Could not even get to start here. That's a tragedy. He had all the things that would show a life of comfort. But we are not called to live a comfortable life, believer. We are called to live a redeemed life, a blessed life, a sacrificial life, a generous life. Life. We are called to live a holy life. And that is so far removed from, I just want comfortable, please. But it is the peace life. The lie is that comfortable is peaceful. It's not. Try it and come back to me. You want to give to get peace. You'll want to sacrifice and be generous and live righteousness to have peace. In the Old Testament and in our Bible, this is called shalom. Shalom. It's a greeting. And I wanted to define to you what what this peace is biblically. Shalom in the Old Testament was like a peace vibe check. Vibe check on your peace. Shalom. That sort of thing. In the Old Testament... It meant welfare. But it was an external peace. Everyone had what they needed, practically. And when the word says, pray for the peace of Israel, like a lot of people are posting about now, it means that the land is secure 
and the people are secure economically. It does not mean internal peace. It means that all the pieces together are whole externally. So Old Testament peace is this, security and order in life. And God gave Israel the code or the law in order to follow or attain shalom. So he said, do these 603 or 613 laws and rules and regulation and you will achieve shalom. And when you do not, if you break one, it's like you've broken them all and judgment. Right? So the New Testament uses the word peace 92 times. That's a lot. But this time it means heart peace, peace of mind, wholeness and security internally. So New Testament peace looks like the security and order, not in life and external circumstances, but security and order in your heart and in your mind. So now there is no more code because peace has come to us. So what is peace? I'm going to give you four things peace is, and, and, and then we're going to unpack the last one. Peace is a gift. It's a gift. Like this. You know, um, Acts 10.36 says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. It's a good news free for you. Good news. It's a gift. Secondly, peace is a way. In Luke 1, Zacharias is singing a song about his son and about the Savior that John the Baptist, that John would declare to the world. And John Luke, uh, sorry, Luke 1, 7, 9 says, to shine on those, Jesus would, would, living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. It's a way. Thirdly, peace is a calling. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So those are the first three things. And we're going to focus on this last one. Peace is a person. Ephesians 2.14 says this, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Some context here is that Paul is saying that the people who are not God's people are now a part of God's people, and that through Jesus we have peace with one another and peace with God. Now here's an, here's an important uh, next step then. Well then who can have peace, right? If Jesus is, who can have peace? Psalm 29, 11 tells us God makes his people strong. God gives his people peace. So who can have peace? His people. And the word says we were once not a people but now we are the people of God. Now I'm setting something up here. Are you still with me? Yes, okay, good. How do I get peace? 
Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7 says this, and this is where we'll take a pause a bit. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I titled this message, Peace Like a Mirror. Peace like a mirror. As opposed to, I've got peace like a river. Yes, all the Methodists again. Last week there was only one person, or two weeks ago, that knew the song I was quoting. I find it very interesting. We're going to look at the mirror illustration in a bit. But what I wanted to highlight here is it's peace of God, not peace from God. Have you ever noticed that? It's peace of God, not peace from God. We have peace like a mirror. What we do with our words sometimes is we look at it in order to know what I can get from God. Have you noticed in a mirror that if you're looking at it, you're the only one looking at it and you're the only one you can see? (laughs) But what we have to do with our word is to turn it slightly so that we're not looking at what we can get from God. We're looking what we can get of God so we see more of him. So if you turn a mirror, you can see, I can see, if this is a mirror, I could see Michael. And Michael could see me. But if I wanted peace from God, I would say, God, I want more of X, Y, or Z. And our prayer has to be more of you, God. So when I face my Bible with me in mind, I start looking for things from him. And that's not what he's done. And I'm going to tell you why. The world says, look at yourself. You are amazing. Wow. Tell yourself, I love you. Ten times in the mirror every day. I heard a psychologist say that the other day. He said, it'll change your life. I said, uh, okay. He said, tell yourself, you are kind. You are strong. This is very American vibe. You are strong. You are kind. You are amazing. You can do this, right? That's what we do. We tell, the world tells us, do that. But that's not what the word is encouraging us to do. The word says, look at Christ. He is amazing. He is strong. He loves me. He is my king. Yes. So what are we looking in the word for? Not to see more of me. God is good. Oh, and when you even look at the, you say, I have been called by name. You see, this facing straight, that's the comfortable life that you want, right? I want, yes, just want me to be comfortable. But as soon as you turn it, Jesus is going to go, that's going to cost you. <laughs> but we want a rewarding life. We want more of God, not more from God. I mentioned John Lennon, right? I'm so sorry, he makes okay music, I guess, if you're a Beatles fan. Um, But like I said, there was just issues in the heart that could not be solved. But the prayer was, 
heal the world, like Michael Jackson. But MJ struggled with healing self. It's such a wonderful exchange that I call the economy of God's grace. This is the economy of God's grace. I give him my sin, he gives me life. I bring my mourning, he gives me joy. I keep my eyes on him and he keeps me in perfect peace. Isn't that an amazing economy? It's like giving one rand and getting $10 back. (laughs) It's the wrong way around. (laughs) But it is God's way around. Can you see why I said this is easier than you thought? The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Did you, just that word of, it's the fruits of, not the fruits from. Vincent, I am your peace. I wanted to illustrate what, what the from and of means. Um, Michael wants, Mike, you, don't, you don't want to start a business, but Michael wants to do something and, and he doesn't know if he's going to get a contract or if, or if he's going to get a wife, which you know, lovely that you have. Yes, uh, recently married. But he doesn't know. So he says, Jesus, he says, Jesus, please, I need this from you. And what if Jesus went, okay, cool, Michael, here you go. Here's a wife and a contract. Carry on. But then the next thing happens, and he's like, oh, no, that one's run out now. I need another one. And then Jesus would come, technically, with another one and say, here you go, here's another one. He said, that's a temporary peace, if it was from someone. But you know what God did in his son? He says, throw that away. I'm coming to you. I'm coming. I'm coming to you. Yeah? And I'll walk with you. Because peace is a way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I'm coming to you. So our prayer should be, your prayer must be, Jesus, more of you. And sometimes we say, Jesus, I want more from you. And I'm going to tell you why that is not the blessed and spiritual life because of the next passage of of Scripture I want to give you. I'll tell you why we must not pray more from you and why we should pray more of you. So, Jesus comes to walk alongside us. And when we face something like, God, I don't know, I don't know. When we face ourselves, you've got to be our own solution. But if we face him, there's a difference, right? So like, how will I fix this compared to, I bring this to you, Lord. How are we going to fix this? You've got God on your side now. Is that not easier than, oh, it's just me? Do you see why I say it's easier? Do not depend on those things for your peace, those froms, they will fail you. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew ten thirty four. Do not suppose that I, Jesus, have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
You're like, whoa, Vincent, that's a bit, what's going on now? You're telling us peace. <laughs> he carries on to say that God will divide like son and father and families. Have you ever read that passage of scripture? It's really frightening. What God is saying is that we would be looking for peace on the wrong levels if we want it from him. That's wrong level. He is leading us to peace that hits different. So what God is doing with those gifts is that if you're depending on your peace from it, he is saying, I have come with a sword to cut the peace you can get from that thing away. Because, firstly, it's a false imitation peace. Because the only way you will have peace is if I come. So he'll cut. If there's something that is disrupting the peace, or if there's something that you're depending on for your peace, God will cut your peace from that. There you go. And now I know that sounds severe. Because sometimes you think, the devil's attacking me, Vincent. But I might say sometimes, Jesus might just be sending a sword to that thing that you are depending on for your peace. He is teaching you to depend on him. And this is not God being childish. This is God being kind. Because eventually that thing will let you down. And he wants you to be able to be strong regardless of that thing letting you down, failing, working out like you desire. So we do not receive peace. We keep our eyes on Jesus and he keeps us in peace. Where you fix your eyes is where you'll find your peace. Can you find it inside yourself? I can't. Can you find it in an external circumstance? I dare you to try. I would like to propose to you an, a lighter burdened way of walking in peace. We talk sometimes as if though it's the most hectic thing to live a holy and focused life. When I think it is the most secure way to live because it has God in it. I think the dangerous or hectic thing to do is to try to live without God. I think that's the hectic thing to do, try to live without Him. If we are born again, it is the easiest thing to live in right relationship to God and the most difficult thing to go wrong. If only we will need and heed God's warning and keep in the light. And know, see, I don't mean to judge you, but when we're like this, you surrender something to Jesus and you say, Lord, I, I bring this to you. I put this at your feet. I don't know how this is going to end, but I bring it to you. I seek you for wisdom, for counsel, and for guidance. When we think of being set free from sin, or being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the light, we almost like sometimes picture some unattainable height for the believer to get to. A very high and wonderful accomplishment. Look, I have arrived. I've climbed so difficultly all the way to the top of obedience. 
I think that's a lie. And you say, oh, if ever I could live up there where the holy people are. But for you who have gotten there, did you get there because you tried hard or because you trusted well? We got there because we trusted in the grace and the sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. And we find that it was not a mountain peak up there. It's like a beautiful plateau where there is ample room to live and to grow. And you can then echo the word that says, God enlarges my steps underneath me. And when you really see Jesus, when you really see him, I defy you to doubt him. When he says to you, like he said to his disciples, my peace I give to you, my, of me, my peace I leave to you, do not let your heart be troubled. So now, whether you get what you wanted or not, if you're facing him and looking into your word for him, more of him, when he says to you, let not your heart be troubled, child, and if you see him, I defy you to have a troubled mind. And so, I said a few weeks ago, that is a privilege for us to worship. It's not difficult. The walk in the way of peace is a reward of being in the word, looking for more of him. Jesus is our peace. Peace did not come from anyone else. And Jesus came to wage war on any counterfeit and temporary source of peace in our lives because he is our peace. Would you stand with me as we pray over this, please? So there will be people up front who will be able to pray for you. We'd love to see you afterwards for a coffee. But I want us to take a real moment here and make sure that we're not making life more difficult for ourselves than it needs to be. Needs to be. And that today it might just need to be a shift of where you're looking. Now we're going to pray that as we pray the prayer Lord, more of you, not more from you. That God will show you that he will transform your heart and mind to have peace. So Lord Jesus, apart from you, we can have no good thing. You are the author of our lives. You are the author of salvation. And you are the author of our peace. And you sent your Son because peace from you was just not good enough. It had to be you. And the fullness of your son in bodily form, the fullness of your inner image dwelling amongst us, so would you today. Come sit alongside every person here. For us who have been looking for peace from you, would you reveal that we have you, our peace. Lord, would you walk alongside 
and comfort to bring peace where comfort is needed. Where some people in here have messed up, would your mercy wash over them and give them peace? Father, we want to be known as a nation who looks inwardly for peace from you, of who you are, that we could be peacemakers. That is why, Lord, so for us who aren't wrestling just yet, for us who are on the plateau, make us peacemakers. That we would reflect your image back to the world. And that where we go, people would encounter not peace from you, but they would say, it's like the peace of God was here. More of you, Jesus, not from you. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. And the healthy church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. It would be good to see you afterwards.